Hello everyone, this is Mickey Eagle bringing this to you from Queensland in Australia. I'm going to be reading another section of my book on arson. Uh, I haven't given this book a title as yet, so I'm just calling it the book on arson. Freya shook herself a little, just to make sure that she was in fact awake. A small strip of light glistened on the cover of the bed on top of her leg. Tiny dust flecks spun and twirled, shining like miniature fireflies caught in the ray of sunshine that crept through the slit between the curtains. She cast her eyes around the room, slowly taking in the familiar surroundings of her bedroom. Sitting straight up, as tall as she could manage, she could just glimpse the ornate wrought iron cot at the foot of her bed, and recognised the soft ash-blonde curls on top of Mishka's head, nestled peacefully into the covers. The vision from which she had just emerged had been so realistic she could still smell the smoke caught in her nostrils. They occasionally took her on such journeys, and depending upon the circumstances, the realism was often quite unnerving for her. Such was the case this time, so she just sat quietly for a while, allowing it to finish downloading and soak into her mind. As she dropped completely back into her current reality, she remembered that arrangements had been made for today, the 21st of September, to visit Beverly in the rehabilitation hospital. It had been exactly two months to the day now since her mother had been rushed by helicopter to the emergency room of the Anguston Hospital after her almost fatal car accident. Once the intensive care unit had stabilised her, she remained at the Anguston for several weeks before being transferred to the rehabilitation unit that was primarily set up to cater for road accident casualties. Throughout the couple of months following, Beverly was placed under the watchful eyes of the specialist staff. As part of the treatment they were administering, they had indicated the need for an extensive therapeutic regime, both physically and emotionally, in which she had been undergoing specific physio and hydrotherapy to assist in strengthening her legs as well as ongoing emotional support aimed at alleviating the massive effects the trauma had inflicted upon her, particularly associated with the loss of her eyesight coupled with the loss of her spatial memory. The combination of these two traumas resulted in her having almost zero mobility and the emotional impact this had upon her was massive, plummeting her into major depression. Freya made the hour-long trip to visit her at the hospital once each week. As she dressed, she continued to mull over the impacting vision they had just given to her. It had been extremely vivid, to the extent that she was certain the events were going to take place that very day. Moving quietly past her sleeping child, she knocked on the doors of her two older children's rooms as she passed through to the kitchen to start preparing breakfast. Her thoughts were moving fast as she was deciding the best course of action to take, considering what she had just seen. The most difficult aspect of the communications they gave her was to discern the time frame. They apparently had a different perspective to hers and she had learned from past experience that what she thought would happen didn't always do so exactly when she expected. Even so, this was one of the strongest messages she had received. Even so, this was one of the strongest messages she had received, so she was utterly confident it would occur today. She could hear the children stirring, so she hastened her preparations. 
They would need extra time now to still get to the hospital for the appointment to visit Beverly, as well as also having enough time to fit in what she had decided was the best plan of action to take to combat the vision she had been given. The two older kids were starting to straggle in to have their breakfast. Alex sat down first, with Natalie not far behind him. It was earlier than their usual time to arise, so they were not yet fully in gear. Freya placed in front of them their cereal before returning to the bedroom to attend to the two smaller children. Returning with Bianca and Mishka in tow, she beckoned that they eat up their cereal whilst she made each of them a warm mug of chocolate milk. As they eagerly drank the comforting brew, she started to tell them what she had seen. It was absolutely dramatically vivid, she explained. Such a huge fire! I am sure nothing would have been left of the building once it had been put out. Goodness, exclaimed Alex. That's pretty scary. What shall we do? Well, I guess I am not overly worried because this poor old house is really ramshackle, so if it burns down like I have seen, then we can only be better off with what the insurance will give us to build a new one. Really? Are you certain? Natalie questioned dynamically. It was obvious that she was not looking forward to having such a fire. What about all our things, my toys? She continued. Freya realised that she had perhaps been a bit dramatic in how she had conveyed to her children what she had seen, so she did her best to smooth things over so as not to have them panicking. It was not the fact that they had been given by their mother some information that was their cause for being anxious, because the children were familiar with that practice, and they were very blasé about what many would consider to be peculiar behaviour, if not downright crazy. It was their concern about such a devastating event as a fire that was worrying them. They were, after all, very young to take on board such an issue, with the eldest, Alex, still not quite ten. Because Freya had no partner with whom to discuss life's issues, she had always included her children in all she said and did. Some outsiders would think this to be extremely inconsiderate of her, given their tender years, but she felt that as a family they needed to be close-knit. We're not going to be here when it is burning, she continued, because we're going to visit Anna today at the hospital, so we won't even see it happening. It should be over by the time we get back. She studied the expressions on each of their faces to ascertain if that comment had made them feel more comfortable. So, naturally, we won't get hurt at all, and it won't be scary. All eyes were on her as she spoke. They waited for more. We'll take the animals to Anna's house before we go to the hospital, so they will be as safe as anything, and we'll gather up all of our special things and take them down to the shop for safekeeping. We'll store them in the downstairs room, so they won't be in the way at all. Natalie smiled as she said, All my toys, you mean? Yes, everything you want to keep safe, Freya responded. Ninja and Ginger don't really like going to Anna's, though, piped in Alex, referring to the family dog and cat. Oh, they'll be quite okay for just one day, Freya comforted him. Whilst they finished their breakfast, they excitedly chatted about what they would take away from the house. They didn't really have a lot of time to prepare, so they needed to be very selective in what they chose, and also what would manage to fit into their car. Freya left them chattering away, instructing them to go and pack up their belongings as soon as they had finished eating. 
She had realised that she had let both her house and her gallery business insurance policies lapse when her mother had the car accident, because in consequence she had incurred a much greater cost of living, needing to employ a full-time nanny to look after her children while she attended to her gallery, a job Beverly had previously taken care of for half of each week, but at no cost. Needing to rid herself of some payments back then, she had decided that she must forfeit the insurance covers for a while, until she was once more on her feet. But thank goodness she had remembered that fact now, with the impending disaster about to hit. Seeking out from her files the past insurance papers on the house, she telephoned the insurance company and renewed her cover, ensuring that it was of sufficient value to cover the cost of a new building and contents. The insurance cover was set to encompass immediate protection, so she now felt secure enough to continue with the day's planned activities. She couldn't afford to also renew the insurance on the gallery just now as it was a struggle to even find enough for the house policy, but would get the other one arranged as soon as she could manage, she told herself. With children, belongings and pets in tow, she, she secured all into the car and headed off to embark upon a very busy day. The hours dashed by as the family completed all their necessary tasks for the day, heading off firstly to their shop to safely store their belongings. In addition to all of the children's treasures, she had gathered up a couple of cane chests in which were stored all of the family's photographs. One chest belonging to her, which was almost totally full of precious photos of all of her children, taken all through the years as they grew up, and the other one was Beverly's chest, laden with all of the old photos, the family ones dating back to when she was a child. Freya had possession of Beverly's photo chest because not long after the accident she had gone to her mother's house and packed up the most important belongings, considering that as the house was going to be vacant for some months, she didn't want to lose anything valuable if perchance there was a break-in whilst the house stood unoccupied. Freya was in the midst of some extensive renovations at the building in which she operated her business. The lower level was last on the list to be completed, hence she had been using it as a convenient place to store things safely out of the way. She was also renovating her home, having recently gutted both the bathroom and the kitchen as new fittings were installed, so she had set aside a room in her gallery building in which to store things while she completed the varying projects. The room was getting quite full, loaded with kitchen pots, pans and sundries, large boxes of light fittings, carpet rolls and many other sundries connected to the shop renovations. A large section of the room was taken up with some metal dining chairs that she had purchased second hand, sitting there in storage until she could afford to have them powder coated. She had not yet completed the upper section of the building that was eventually going to be a small Devonshire tea room, so there was ample time for her to finish the restoration of the chairs. Parking her car in the laneway that ran down the side of her shop, Freya and the children went to and fro into the storage room, placing all of their precious treasures as neatly as they could into the room. The two cane chests fitted snugly against each other, side by side, into a corner of the room, so thankfully she had no need to shift any of the large items that were already stored there. Locking up, they piled back into the car and continued on their way. Next stop was Beverly's house, which was about half an hour's drive away. Here they dropped off Ninja and Ginger, leaving with them food and water for the day and litter trays. 
They needed to be left inside the house because the boundary fences were not secure enough to keep them from wandering off, but it would be quite fine as it was only going to be for the day. The further drive to the rehabilitation hospital was about an hour, so Freya decided on the way to drop into the shopping centre for some lunch, otherwise she would have some very hungry and cranky kids on her hands if they didn't eat. The children thought this to be an excellent idea as they loved going to what they called the big shops. Asian noodles was one of their most favoured meals and they all enjoyed it tremendously, having built hearty appetites from the morning's busy activities. Once the meal was completed, they moved on to the news agency, from where they purchased some colouring books. They always stayed with Beverly for several hours when they visited, and Freya ensured that the kids had plenty to do during this time so that they didn't get grumpy or bored in the confines of the hospital room. Arriving at the hospital mid-afternoon, they spent the first hour in animated discussion as they conveyed the morning's exciting activities to Beverly. She thought it all to be quite strange but accepted everything they had to say because she had become used to what she considered to be Freya's peculiarities. Freya had strong feelings that the fire may occur in the vicinity of roughly 4 to 6 p.m., but they had no way of really knowing, so they simply mused and wondered as the time went by. Dinner was served to the patients at the hospital from 5 o'clock onwards, so they bade their goodbyes at this time in order for Beverly to be in readiness for her meal. They had a longer than usual trip back home because they needed to detour via Beverly's house to collect the dog and cat. All was well with the animals, who had thankfully not caused any mess or problems whilst they were locked in the house. It was almost 7pm when they eventually came to the foot of the hill on Dandaloo Road, where they lived in Wallingston. They had been surmising for at least the last 30 minutes as to whether or not their house would still be standing, and how much damage the fire will have caused. As they turned the last bend in the road, they craned their necks to get a better view of their house as it came into view. It was already dark, so they expected to possibly see some flames. But nothing appeared. Perplexed, they drove the last few metres and then into their driveway. There, standing boldly in front of them, was their house, fully intact without a sign of any fire having taken place. Nothing at all extraordinary was apparent to indicate anything unusual may have happened. Man, you're just crazy, Alex exclaimed to his mother. Why did you make us do all that stuff today? Look, if we told our friends at school what you thought was going to happen with the fire and everything, they would think we were all nuts. Freya was apologetic, explaining to her kids that what she had seen in her vision was so very real that she didn't have a doubt in the world that it was going to happen. She was just as surprised and puzzled as the kids were, except she knew she wasn't crazy because she had only had these strong visions very infrequently and they always unfolded according to what she had seen. Alex sensed her hurt from his attack on her and decided to calm down and just move on. Maybe it wasn't this house that would burn, he put forth. Freya turned to him in relief that he had cooled off, saying, maybe the date was wrong. What else could it be? Nonetheless, there was nothing more anybody could say or do because clearly, whatever had happened, there was definitely no fire. So, life just picked up where it had left off that morning. Unbuckling their safety belts, family got out of the car, taking their pets and travel items into the house and proceeded to get some dinner. <laughs>